0: afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I've got my Bible open to Zechariah. I don't go there very often, but here I am today at Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9. That says, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. What do I love that verse? I hope you're having a good day. It's awfully nice to uh, spend these next couple of hours with you. Time permitting, I hope you have the time. And if you listen to the podcast, uh, welcome to the podcast version of this show. It's already aired, and here you are listening to it. And I hope you've had a great day. Maybe you're um, uh, ready to go to sleep, and my voice will help you do that. So I try to serve however I can. We're looking forward to uh, an hour with Vince Miller. He's here in studio with me, and he's looking this direction, which is making me uncomfortable. But I think it's time we bring him on. Vince has written a whole bunch of books, and today we're going to talk about the book of James. He's a man of action, and I love the book of James. And he's had so many requests to talk about James, so he ended up writing a book about James. We're going to talk about that today. And he's brought five copies of the book that I can give away, and I don't do this very often. I don't give books away very often. So I'm glad he has provided these books, and all you have to do if you like what we're talking about and you're interested in getting... Uh, a copy of the book will put your name in the drawing and you know what it's like to uh, be part of that drawing. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. But if you text the word book, that's all, just those four letters, B-O-O-K. No uh, exclamation marks, no anything else. Just book to 877-933-2484. We'll get you in on the drawing on Vince Miller's The Book of James, A Bible Study Guide. Vince is at bresolute.org or vincemiller.com. He's written a number of books. Kind of gears his ministry toward men. So uh, this to be a great hour, and he's right here. Vince, welcome. Thanks, buddy. How yeah. are you? I'm Well, we, we've already had our little exchange. So I'm good. You're good. You know, we're all good.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks for having me, man. I
0: appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I met you at the door. I came yeah. down to greet you personally. I was locked out. You came I know. down and unlocked me. I know. Me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it's a great book. I love the book of James. I read it often, and I'm very excited to kind of jump in with you on this book. And tell me the motivation.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, some of it, some of the motivation behind writing James is, I think it's just such a simple book that motivates people to, like, do something. Because James has got this strong voice from the very beginning. He just kind of charges out of the gates, tells us that we're going to face trials and that we need to (laughs) do it with joy. And that's exactly how he comes out of the gates. But I think what's also intriguing about James is that he's actually the half-brother of Jesus, which makes him kind of an intriguing guy, because he, like you said earlier, came to faith a little
0: bit later in life. After the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. You're growing up uh, with a brother, and you're, and you're not <laughs> you're not really <laughs> buying everything he's saying, right? He was doing a lot of good
1: stuff, but I don't <laughs> think he bought it until after he raised him from the dead. You know, he's kind of like, oh, okay,
0: so maybe there's something different
1: about yeah. you, you know, and, and you know. I don't know what it was like to grow up with Jesus as an older brother, but
0: I would assume he felt imperfect most days. (laughs) I would guess, yeah. So let's look at the book of James, and you've got a chapter called uh, Two Tests of Conviction. Two Tests of Conviction. What exactly is that?
1: Well, you know, I think in that first chapter there, James talks about essentially a couple of different tests that people are going to face. And one is a test of trials, right? And the other is a test of integrity. And I think we're going to face both of those tests. And I think those tests prove, I think, how steadfast we are in our faith. And James, who is a man not uh not foreign to trials in his life he was actually uh, going through trials probably just like we are in our country today except he was persecuted even more for his faith and so he's writing about the trials that christians face and he's saying hey you're going to have to face these headlong you know that there's going to be trials that are going to come in the form of external or internal trials that are going to put your Your faith to the test. And you're going to have to face them, not just be happy about them, not just use the power of positive thinking to overcome Mm -hmm. them, but actually consider it joy. In other words, consider the joy beyond the trial in hopes of actually enduring the trial in the present. And I think James is trying to point believers down a path that says, look, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard. Uh, Jesus is gone. And uh, now we're going to have to face a trial of actually standing up for our faith and living through times that are difficult. And I think, well, everybody faces a trial, right? Like you're either going into one, you're in one, or you're coming out of one. And they're not laughing matters. We can't just happy them away. We have to understand that there is a future joy that we find pleasure in that helps us to endure whatever trial that God puts in our path. Mm -hmm. Thus, actually, James is one of those guys that actually references Job, which I think is quite interesting because really the only reference to the book of Job in the entire New Testament is by James, and it's quite astounding that James would do that given he's probably reminded of Job's trial way back at the beginning of the Bible or even pre-Bible, some suggest, but I think it's just a fascinating thing about how Job considers trials and how to think
0: about them, right? hmm what are what do you think are some common tests for Christians today? I think we got all kinds of tests. I agree. Um, there's kind of like
1: stuff coming at us literally right now, uh in our world, in our country, in our family, yeah. in our home, in Health, our personal life. Financial. Yeah, emotional. absolutely. I was talking with a counselor today that you probably know, Marcus Bachman, and as he was sharing with me, he said basically people come into his counseling office for three reasons. Uh, You know, addiction is one, anxiety is another, and depression is another. And people are always going through experiences with trials that bring out those kinds of things uh, in their life, whether it be an anxiety, a depression, an addiction. Mm -hmm. And we face those on a repetitive basis and we need to learn how to overcome them. And I think that's exactly what James is trying to show us. Yeah. Did you tell Marcus you
0: were on the show today?
1: I, you know, I didn't. Yeah. He sometimes
0: listens. So he's listening, hi, Marcus. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um so if we are going through these tests, and I, I liked what you said that we just can't happy it away. Yeah. Um how, how how are we proving that we are followers of Christ amidst our trials?
1: Amidst our trials. I would say, you know, like I think people should see that we're experiencing joy in our trial, mm-hmm. right? They should see it. But it should be a testimony to them that we're not just using the power of positive thinking to happy that moment away. They need to see that our focus is the glory of God in that trial. And we have to communicate that, I think. you know. So, for example, let's say we're going through a, a test, uh, whether it be like a health crisis in our life, and we're heading to the doctor, and we're unsure of what that holds for us, and it produces anxiety for us. We have an opportunity right there, to communicate that we have a future joy beyond this life or in a world that is full of fear about health crises right now. We have an opportunity to live as people who have a focus on the power of the resurrection in us that we are going to raise from the dead someday (laughs) and live like resurrection people even though we are living in the land of the dying Right, because mm. one day we 're going to live in the land of the living, and I think we have to communicate that, we have to share that with people, we have to model it, and we have to show it and I think that 's what James is trying to communicate in chapter one is that we 've got to consider it joy when we face trials, in other words, look at them as an opportunity to activate faith. Uh, you know I was uh, reading in um i was what book was I in this morning? I was in the book of Acts, and in the book of Acts. Uh, Right there at the beginning in chapter 1, Jesus is having an interaction, one of the final interactions with the disciples, right? And as he interacts with these guys, he looks down on them, and one of them says, Is this a time? Is this a time that the kingdom of heaven is coming? Is it at hand right now? And Jesus says, That's not for you to know. You know, it's not for you to know that. The Father set that time. That's not for you to know. I have given you enough to know. In fact, I'm about to help you know the Holy Spirit. I'm going to reveal that to <laughs> mm. you. Have I not given you enough? I gave you my life. I gave you the message. I'm about to reveal the Holy Spirit. And for some reason, we want to know all things, but God actually keeps us from knowing all things because he knows He knows we can't handle all things. And therefore, in that gap, that's where faith exists. So sometimes not knowing things, right, especially not knowing when a trial is going to end, activates our faith in him. And I think that's exciting. Mm -hmm. Not that God is trying to torment us through these trials. That's not what he's trying to do. He is giving us an opportunity to activate faith in him, to trust him with knowledge that we don't have. And in that gap, something arises there that's beautiful and worshipful, joy in future, in future, in the future payoff of what God is going to do through not only this trial, but eternal joy that he gives us to live in
0: this present moment within time and space. Mm -hmm. Vince Miller is my guest. He's written a book called The Book of James, a Bible study guide. I know we love studying God's Word on on this show, and we're going to dig into the book of James. So if you have a Bible handy, uh, grab it, open it up. When we come back, we're going to talk about the test of integrity be doers of the word, not just hearers. Vince has got five copies of this book that he has generously brought into the studio for me to give to listeners. So if you want to get in on this drawing, text the word BOOK to 877 2484 Again, the word BOOK to 877 2484 been in the studio 17 minutes has not asked me one question about myself yet <laughs> dude we're making it all great. about you aren't
1: we you look great by the way oh, you've been working out of
0: course yeah yeah thank you for that you're welcome Vince has written a book called the book of james a bible study guide and he's written a whole bunch of books you go to uh where's the best way to go vincemiller.com or either be resolute.org be, resolute.org, be yeah. vincemiller.com yeah. either one and I'll vince has right a there. lot of great resources and kind of Directs them towards men. So there's, uh, if, if you want to get some resources or you've got s- someone special in mind, you can head to beresolute.org. All right. We're still in chapter one of James, Vince. I want to talk about the test of integrity.
1: Yeah, integrity. Yeah. yeah, no, I think uh, in- integrity is a really interesting topic. If you start to dive into it, basically it just means to fuse two things together, right? So um, I think specifically James is uh, helping us to understand that there's an integration that he's after when we face these trials, right? So we face trials, that's one test. Then there's also the test of our inner character. And I I think James actually goes deeper than most people think. So there's different forms of integrity. I think there's about three at least. So one level of integrity is the integrity between what we say and what we do, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, I call that real basic level integrity, right? It's something that you're... Maybe your dad taught you when you were a kid or your mom taught you when a kid. It's like if you're going to say you're going to do something, then take out the garbage, right? <laughs> like And agree that you're going to do that. I think another level of integrity is integrity between what we say and do, right? Uh, and uh, what that looks like as we act it out in life. So in other words, it's not just what you say and do, but it's the essence of that. You're going to say you're going to do something, but you have to hear it, really listen to it first. So Jesus emphasizes this a lot in the Gospels through a lot of parables. He says you have to hear, and then you have to do it, right? So it's not just saying and doing. It's this active hearing and then applying it to your life. And Jesus applies this to actually hearing God's Word right? Over and over and over again. And then I think there's a deeper level of integrity that Jesus was really teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and that is the integrity not only between what we hear and do, it's the motivation itself and what we hear and do. In other words, if you read uh, the story of the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to discover that Jesus isn't after pharisaical behavior, transformation. He's after something deeper. He wants you to hear and do and say and do, but do it from pure motivation, right? To do it from the purity of your heart. And he dismantles this idea of just behavioral obedience. So he says stuff like this. He says, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. You have heard Mm -hmm. it said, but I say unto you. And he does this a number of times. And one example of it is, you have heard it said, You shall not commit adultery. And that's where most people's line is right there on behavior. But Jesus says if you look at a woman lustfully, so he takes it and drives it back to the motivation, to the desire, to the heart. And I think James is getting after that here. He's saying that, look, there's going to be these tests that you're going to face, and one of them is the test of your integrity. Do you hear God's word? Do you really absorb it into your heart, and then do you do it and act on it so it's not that level one or level two type of integrity? It's a deeper type of emotional or almost desire or passion change, and you're doing it because you want to do it, because you love Jesus Christ.
0: All right, Vince. So let's say you hear, but you haven't acted on it. So you've got a delay between hearing and acting. Why is there a delay? Oh, because uh, maybe our heart hasn't come far
1: enough yet. Okay. So uh, here, here's an example of it. So, you know, my wife uh, has asked me a number of times. She's probably listening right now. So my wife has asked me a number of times when we were early in our marriage to do certain things, like certain domestic chores that I kind of didn't want to do. You know, So <laughs> let's just say I didn't want to do one of them. And I would say I will do it later, Right. Because there was something else I wanted to do at that moment, right? Right. And then later on, because I didn't do it, I was uh, (laughs) uh, verbally reprimanded politely and kindly Mm -hmm. in a loving way by my uh, amazing wife, right? So she comes at me about it, and I realized that had I just acted when she asked me to do something— Uh, maybe I wouldn't have run into that moment. So I learned a long time ago, not only in my marriage, but actually in my spiritual life, that if I feel a conviction from God to do something, that I should act on it with immediacy. There should be less of a delay between hearing something and doing something because I encountered these moments, Bill. I think every Christian encounters them. You're sitting in church one day. You feel convicted by something that you hear or experience or worship or something the pastor says or something that's read from God's Word, and then you walk out and you do nothing with it. I mean, nothing. Mm. And so I decided a long time ago that in my spiritual life, not only in my relationship with my wife to do things immediately, but also in my spiritual life, if I just act on something, like with immediacy, when God convicts me, that I fuse together the gap between hearing and doing, between saying and doing, and between my motivations in hearing and doing in my life. So,
0: Let me go back to your book, because you, you give us a couple of really great illustrations on why sometimes you hear, but you don't act. And in the delay, we sometimes fail to listen. We fail to comprehend as we listen. We listen and yet can be confused about what action to take. I think that's pretty typical, usual. Mm -hmm. Or we listen but never take the action that we need to. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, there's all kinds of reasons, right? And I appreciate you uh, reading that. That section of the book, but I I really do think that there are some people deeply confused. You referenced number three there, but deeply confused about what to do. Like they just actually don't know what to do. Uh, I discovered this years ago when I was teaching and through some of my teaching and preaching, I came to discover pretty quickly that guys were pretty eager to respond to it. And uh, they would come up to me afterwards and say, but how do I do that? And that's what I love about James is he's very straightforward about how to do things. So I came to discover that I needed to be a little bit more actionable for people to help them to understand how to do that. So some guy says, well, you told me I need to pray more, but how do I pray more? You told me I need to read the Bible more, but I don't know how to read the Bible more. You told me I need to love more, but I don't know how to love more. And they would share with with me these complications or issues that we're facing in really moving forward. And I realized they needed very pragmatic simple steps to understand how to take the very next step, which honestly is a really exciting moment with mm-hmm. a believer, because that means that they really want to do something. They actually want to do something. They want to move forward in their faith. They want to overcome an issue. They want to take on a challenge. They uh, want to overcome an addiction. They want to move ahead, but they're not sure how to do it. And all the complicating factors sometimes make it too hard for them to do. So they stall out, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Vince Miller and I want to do church with you today, and we might as well. I know that you've got a trial in your life right now. So my question is, what's the trial that you're facing right now? And if you let me know what it is, uh, towards the end of the hour, Vince and I will just start praying for all the people that send in whatever trial they're going through. And maybe we can try to find one aspect of joy to count in the midst of this trial. So if you are willing to be vulnerable and you want Uh, To share with us. Of course, you will remain anonymous. Let me know what your trial is that you're facing right now. And you can send it over to 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. And Vince's book is called The Book of James. It's a Bible study guide. And he uh, generously brought over five copies to give away. And if you want to get in on the drawing for the book, just text the word book to the same number 877-933-2484. Let's talk uh, Vince, we got a couple of minutes before the break here about living a consistent life. Why is that so valuable of an attribute?
1: You know, I really believe that it, the more consistency we live with in our own personal life, the more that people see that are see God in us and are willing to kind of go, "Hmm, there's something different about him." I love the man, the woman that he is, and I want I want something that he has that I don't have. I think that the model of integrity and to live with integrity is so important in our consistency, and, and we, we all make mistakes. We're all inconsistent somewhere, right? But to strive after that consistency, I think, is something that really James was concerned about. He was concerned that their witness in a world that was desperate for life salvation, desperate to know Jesus Christ, I believe James understood that it was very important that they live consistently to model an amazing Christian life, and we'll we'll get into that that a little bit more, but there's some great text in chapter 2 that I think that really helps... Uh, I think Christians understand how we can be less hypocritical, we can pretend less, not put on a show as much, and really be vulnerable and real with each other so people can see that consistency. Yeah,
0: p- people do look for that moment where they're going to try to catch you in something mm-hmm. where you're inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Call it hypocritical or inconsistent. They're sort of synonyms, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I just think we just need to be more vulnerable with who we are and therefore can live consistent lives, right? Like there's a lot in James chapter 2 where he's talking about kind of the pretending, the putting on a show, the cronyism that was actually happening in the church, right? And uh, that really disclosed that there was kind of this fake presence in the church that was really affecting the message. And because all that cronyism was happening, it was putting on the wrong—it was actually— uh, I don't know if you'd say dismissing, but unfortunately it wasn't representing the kingdom very mm-hmm. well. And it was affecting the church because they were bringing in the world's methodology and strategies and tactics into the church and it wasn't helping the message yeah. at all.
0: If you have a trial that you're facing right now, well, we want to do church with you. We want to hear what it is. We want to pray for you. We want to help you find a aspect of joy in the midst of that trial. If you feel so inclined, uh, let me know what that trial is, 877-933-2484. Vince Miller is my guest. The Book of James, a Bible study guide, is the book we're talking about. Be right back. We were not gone long, and we've been uh, watching the text line, and there's a number of trials coming in. So thank you very much for uh, participating. Uh, I've asked for people who are going through a trial right now, whatever trial you're facing, if you feel so inclined to share it with us, we will, of course, keep it anonymous. But we're curious, uh, Vince Miller and I, who's my guest today, we're, we just want to take it to prayer. We want to um, be helping you find joy amidst... The trials, because Vince, I'm looking at one that just came in and um, addiction, infidelity, pornography, possible end of marriage, and the effect it all has on our kids. That's a trial. Absolutely, that's a big one. What would you say? I mean, I want to pray for all the listeners that have got trials, but just you know, you do a lot of ministry with men, and here's a man with a lot of problems. Yeah, I. It is kind of almost this. There's this thing
1: that usually happens in me when I hear uh, the weight of people's problems, and it's almost like you have this immediate uh, connection with that the soul of that person. I think anybody would, especially if they were a close friend or a relative. We almost want to save them from it, but there is one joyous piece of this whole thing, and James actually references that back in chapter one. It's that... When a person is in that place, they're the most pliable, right? They're the most open. They're searching. They're in desperate need. And the cool part about it is God can rescue those who need mercy, those who are humble, and those who need or are really struggling through serious issues in their life at the present moment. And every one of those people listening today needs to know that Jesus loves them, that he will guide you through these struggles. And there are people that can pray with you and for you, even right here, we will today, but that we want to. Um, you know, last year, Bill, I think I told you this at one point, but when we started going through COVID, I put this prayer button up on my website, yeah. you know, and I started receiving prayer requests. And actually what I would do is just like we're doing here, I'd pull a mic over and actually pray for every one of those. I was worried that I was going to be overwhelmed because we get a lot of visitors like you do, but... Uh, I started pulling the mic over, and I realized that these men, and sometimes wives too, who were sharing with me, were delighted just to pray with someone because they were in this moment of just really almost exposing themselves right to you. And I, I think that's exactly the right step to take: is just to expose yourself to a brother or sister in Christ spiritually, to let them know that you have a need, and right there, God begins to do things that we can't even explain and yes sin has ramifications on people in our life and i really feel for kids who are in the middle of messes like that i was a kid who went through a mess like that but god can redeem that look at me my my mom was divorced multiple times before i moved into my grandfather's house and god redeemed me and is using me to influence and minister to people around the world just like he's using you
0: today mm-hmm
1: and uh God can redeem big messes. So those people who are sharing those prayer requests right now need to need to know that there is a God who saves, who redeems, who buys back and he does that through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ and he wants you to have resurrection life. And uh we just we're going to pray today that these people receive
0: that healing and know our savior. Mhm. Another listener is has a defiant, strong-willed daughter, so that's a trial. So we're praying for a godly resolution for him. And another listener says, "My current trial is being nearly overwhelmed by a relative's mental illness." So yeah, there's there's some trials.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think sometimes those trials really draw something out of us, don't they? Like it's not just another person that's going through them; it's it's us that goes through them too. And and I think sometimes it's important for us to remember remember that we're not there to save them, right? That God is their father, right? God is the father of our children. Uh, That God is the parent of our relatives, that he saves, and that we have an opportunity to minister to them in a way that that directs them back to God, right? Keep directing them back to God. And uh, in these opportunities, we just got to... Uh, use them to do things that we're going to bring glory to his name, not allow us to be their savior. Mm
0: -hmm. And then Vince, what what happens when you've got some chronic pain and you've tried all these different pain meds and not only has it kind of wrecked your stomach, your gut, but you're still in pain. There's a lot of folks out there suffering with pain and my heart breaks for every one of them. Yeah, these temporal bodies wear out. One of my friends said to me
1: the other day, he said, I think my warranty's expired. (laughs) Kind of giggled back, but he was real serious about it. You know, he's like... Now he's getting older. He's starting to feel the wear and tear on his body. Uh I had an older gentleman share with me today that he had an issue at home, had just one issue at home as an older man. He's in his 90s, and he fell down. There was no one there. And uh, because he had this internal issue, he couldn't operate his legs. He couldn't use his hands, nothing. He he felt helpless and hopeless. And, uh, you know, sometimes these are our warranty, our physical warranty begins to expire. We begin to uh, feel the weight of this physical body dying, but there is a spirit that will that lives within us, the power of the Holy Spirit it just gives us hope and joy through yeah. every one of those trials
0: here's a, a loving aunt and her great niece, twenty years old, overdosed on meth again last week. Her parents are both alcoholics and are very broken mm. there's a trial mm-hmm.
1: I know i my uh, my mother died of a Meth overdose. So it's, a, yeah, she did. Yep. In her bed. Um, she actually went to the hospital, but it caught up with her a few hours later. But yeah, it's, it's a nasty drug that has affected so many millions of people in our country. And uh, it's just a a dirty vice that Satan has used to really entrap millions mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm.
0: Chapter three in James is got an amazing um, amount of things for us to think about. And it has to do a lot with foolish talk. Uh, We want to go from foolish to wise talk. Why do we say foolish things? I'll (laughs) let you go first. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I say
1: stupid things all the time, <laughs> Bill. Just ask my wife. Yeah, I know. <laughs> ask my kids. Yes. I, uh-huh. I look back at her sometimes, and she's <laughs> looking at me like, why in the living world did you say that? And I'm. Sometimes I actually don't know. I mean, seriously, I actually don't know if I'm trying to get a rise out of people or <laughs> if I'm trying to be funny and witty. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my childhood friends always said, yeah, you're not as funny as you think you are in your own mind. But, you know, hey, I laugh at myself sometimes uh-huh. and... Uh, I giggle at myself, which is why people laugh at me most of the time. But, man, this tongue section of James here is very convicting, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. uh, when he starts talking about the tongue and... Uh, you know, we, we stumble in all these ways that we have to learn how to bridle it, but it's impossible to bridle, uh, you know, and he starts talking about the ships of the sea and all that kind of stuff. It just really it convicts you. And then he, he closes off with this. He says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell ouch like i yeah. and when i read that i'm like super convicted by it because you're just like what is it about the tongue? And and every time I read it, I think it's really not a problem with the tongue, right? It's The tongue is just a, a device that just moves a muscle. Over. It's a muscle, right? Yeah. But our mind moves that muscle. Our heart right. moves that muscle. And it's so true. I mean, how many times have you been hurt Oh, by times. Yeah. Uh, the hey. painful things that people say? Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I are in a very public business, right? So yeah. people say things sometimes that, that really hurt, and they don't know it hurts, right? Mm-hmm. And then we dwell on that, don't we, Bill? Yeah. I'm starting to tear up here. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you wanted me to talk about you, so I'm talking. <laughs> let,
0: me, uh, let me read from your book, uh, Vince Miller's book, The Book of James, A Bible Study Guide. We have five copies. If you want to get in on the drawing, text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. We're talking about from foolish to wise talk. Uh, eventually, every man puts his foot in his mouth. This happens A lot in moments when we fail to filter out sensitive information, we fail to get control of our emotions before we speak, we fail to realize that what we say might be offensive, we fail to get more information before offering an opinion.
1: I've done all those things. I was just checking them off in my mind. I, I was too. <laughs> I, man, we really blow it sometimes. I, you know, I blow it most actually with the people that I know the best, honestly, even though they kind of put up with me sometimes. But the person that I blow it most with is my wife, for sure, because I start to let my guard down, like I said there, you know, and, and uh, when I let my guard down, all of a sudden, I'm not giving attention to what's going on in my heart. I'm not giving attention to what's coming out of my mouth. And I say the most unfortunate things, but I'll tell you this, uh, the tongue can also heal, right? Like it, it has very powerful healing effects. And uh, many times that I have apologized to my wife or uh, repented of something I've done wrong to her or confess something. Those are three things you've probably done at once. Yeah, right. All Uh, in the uh, the same same sentence. (laughs) All moments ago, actually, right before I came here. Uh, You know, it just, there's such healing that can happen from that too. So it also makes me hopeful. I think about this all the time as a teacher, by the way. Um, I think about it all the time regarding what I'm teaching in God's Word. Does it align with truth? Am I sure? that it does, am I going to say something that's going to hurt someone uh, or it's going to affect their walk with Jesus Christ? The older I've gotten, the more attention I've given to my words, Bill. And maybe it's just because I care more about people on the other side. I mean, I think when I was younger, I didn't think much about it. I kind of passed over it. But now that I've gotten older, I'm giving more and more attention to it. I'm learning to KMS, keep mouth shut, right? Mm-hmm. You know, on a regular basis, especially if uh, if I am concerned about how I'm feeling at the moment or I'm conflated about something, I'm unsure of what I'm walking into, I've learned to keep my mouth shut a little bit more. Uh, for, for example, the other day I was having an interaction with someone I knew I needed to confront something and I was kind of playing it through in my mind for a bit. You know, I was thinking about how I'm going to say it, what I'm going to say, is there a more positive spin? I could put on it, and then when I did confront that situation, I felt like it came out of me better, whereas when I was younger, I would have just said it without really the connection of empathy to understand that maybe my words could
0: lead to pain or hurt on the other side. So. I tried that KMS, that keep mouth shut, and I got a nice, friendly memo from the station manager saying, you need to start talking or, or that's going to wrap things up for you. All right, here's right, I'm a 58-year-old male. My girlfriend, fifty-five, cheated on me after three years. We are Christians. I believe she is backslidden. I have been grieving this for several months. I need wisdom. Do I move on? Wow, oh, that's Ben Spiller. I know you're yeah. not a psychologist. Yeah, but, uh, I'm, maybe I'm, Marcus Bachman wants to page Yeah, patch in
1: right yeah, now. Yeah, we'll allow him to call in. But I, I think there's there's so many di- there's more dynamics going on than probably what he's able to share in a short text right. message. Right, but. Uh, you know, just any kind of brokenness in relationship leaves us really hurt with pain, right? I think communicating that very vulnerably to the other person is important because I think God is in the business of reconciling relationships. (laughs) That's his business, man. He reconciled us to him because he cares about us. And I think we need to be in the business of reconciliation with other people. And uh, even if we don't want to necessarily remain in the same relationship. We're talking about, I think, a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship of some kind here, right? Some sort of uh, appropriate relationship, I would hope. But the the fact that that was kind of divorced uh, in an in- inappropriate way, it mm-hmm. should be shared, should be talked about. We should share why it hurts. We should communicate and see if we can't find a way to heal what feels... Irreparable at the moment and love our way through it and and care for the other person too. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, if it's appropriate and we feel like we can't find that to move on. There are many uh, situations in my life where I tell people that sometimes we have to have our own boundaries in life to kind of protect ourselves and still love the other person right? So, for example, you know, a a person that's going through a lot of abuse, so let's say there's a a woman or a man out there that's going through a lot of abuse in their marriage, and unfortunately they separate as a result of it, that there's there's boundaries that kind of need to be in place for us to love appropriately, even though we can't be safe in a relationship with one another, we can still love from a distance, right? Forgive from a distance, but maybe we don't put ourselves in those immediate physical relationships and suffer greater harm.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. We'll take a little break. Vince Miller is my guest. His book is the book of James. It's a Bible study guide. And if you love the book of James, and I know I do, Vince was nice enough to bring in five copies that I can give away. If you'd like to get in on that drawing to be one of five people that get one of Vince's books, text the word book to 877-933-2484. And I've been... uh so grateful that so many have written in with the trials that they're suffering through because we want to hear your voice. We want to understand what you're going through. We want to pray for you because that's what we do. That's what we're here for. (laughs) We'll be right back. In studio with me. He's written a book called The Book of James, A Bible Study Guide. And I so appreciate that he brought in five copies for me to give out to listeners. If you'd like to be one of the lucky winners, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Uh, Vince has been awfully challenging to, to see listeners uh, send in their trials that they're facing. I'm glad they've done it. Um, pain yep. issues are, it's a big deal, pain issues. Um mm-hmm. Broken relationships, infidelities, addictions—those are the trials that we're all facing t- today. In mm-hmm. some, in some way, if it's not something in your life, it's something that you know—you mm-hmm. know someone going through it. You know, I—I I alluded to this before,
1: but I put that prayer button up on my website so people could send prayers to me. And uh, after tens of thousands of prayer requests, I came to discover that men only pray about five things. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can remember them all right now, but the first one is marriage. So some issue with marriage, right? Relationship. Like their marriage marriage is in trouble? Yeah, like their marriage is in trouble. Uh, Second one on the list, the top most requested one is for addiction. So Mm. some kind of addiction in their life. The third one was finances. The fourth one was a health issue. Mm -hmm. The fifth one was a calling or career or vocational issue. Issue five. Those are the five. I realized I kept praying these prayer requests, and those were the five. So I became pretty masterful at praying for them, I guess. But it, you know, and I think that that even even the the texts and the emails, the calls that you've gotten a day, kind of model that that these are big areas for us where we have sometimes catastrophic suffering. Right in our life, and uh, I've gone through some of the challenges in those areas, and I'll tell you, it can be really overwhelming. It can feel we can feel so overwhelmed by it. We actually don't know how to push through it. And uh, even when I think about James coming back to James, I I think this these are the kinds of people that actually James is writing to right that he looks in the face of trials and he says to us back in chapter 1 again he says stand fast you know stand fast yeah you're going to go through trials yeah you're going to go through tests but it's our job our job is to stand fast because those trials are going to come at us and all they're doing is testing us and our foundation even if we go back to the end of the sermon on the mount again you know Jesus talks about that he says that there's a couple of houses that can be built right the two houses look exactly the same, but they're built in two different locations, and it's the storm that's going to test the integrity of the house and where it's built. Either it's built on the Word of God, on the truth of Scripture, or it's built on sand, right? So it's built on rock or it's built on sand, and uh, that's that's maybe a word of encouragement from Jesus himself, from James himself, stand fast in the trials of... On God's word alone, let him rescue you and uh, your edifice will
0: stand after the storm has passed. Mm -hmm. Vince, what wrong desires are most common in our world today? You know, I think that
1: our desires are sometimes really out of whack. I think getting, I'm going to get to your, the answer to your question, but I'm going to do it a little backwards. I think most of our issues relate to desire issues. Right. So, but we try to come at these desires, these desire issues, the ones that we have in our heart, by behaviorally changing. For example, uh, I just mentioned five prayer requests I come that come from men. Right. Let's just talk about one addiction. Right. So, addiction is prevalent in our in our lives because we're pursuing desires to feed the self. Right. So maybe it's a, a sexual desire or or, or maybe it's a, a physical desire or maybe it's a, a financial desire or, you know, maybe it's just ego out of control or it's just all these desires of the flesh that manifest themselves through not only the book of James, but we see Paul write about in a number of his letters, uh, especially at the latter end of Galatians. And we're chasing after all these things, these desires of the flesh. Right. And uh, we're pursuing them in such a way that they kind of take over our behavior. Well, Paul alludes to this too, especially at the end of Galatians, that really what we have is a desire issue. We have desires that are out of control, that are being led by the flesh, and because they're being led by our flesh and not by the spirit we don't experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc. Right, and he begins to list them, and uh, these desires that are out of control, we try to, we try to rein them in through behavior change. Sometimes, so for example, if I'm struggling with an addiction, the way that I I try to get a hold or control of that addiction is I try to stop certain behaviors and then start other behaviors, and sometimes not all the time, but sometimes that's actually a futile effort because stopping and starting are not the activity. Actually, what we're trying to do is we're trying to do what James talks about in chapter 4. We're trying to submit to God. Therefore, we naturally resist the devil and he flees from us. But really, it's a desire change that initiates it all. It's that we want to desire God more than anything else in our life. Therefore, what we do is We submit to him and the devil flees simultaneously, which is kind of a crazy thought when you think about it. Why would we apply fleshly tactics to a spiritual life in hopes of bringing about change, right? For example, I'll give you another example of it. Uh, uh, Sometimes we want to we want to uh, uh, change our, like a simple discipline, a simple discipline in our life. Let's take Bible reading, for example. So we think that we need to be reading the Bible more, right? So we start a Bible reading plan, which is not bad by the way, but it's to stop doing something else and to start doing something right. So we're going to read the Bible. We're going to put a calendar invite in our, in our, in our, in our phone. (laughs) We're going to tell ourselves to read 15 minutes every day. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to do that daily. And eventually what's going to happen is we're going to quit doing that, right? How many times have you done that, right? Never? Mm-hmm. I've done it, yeah. Yeah, you've done it. You mm-hmm. quit it eventually. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just about the Bible reading discipline. It's about loving the God of the Bible. That's why we read the Bible. We read the Bible because we love God and want to get to know him. And when my desires in the right place and I'm not doing it to modify my behavior, I'm doing it because I love God, then behaviors follow that naturally, Right. So if we're really in step with the Spirit, as Paul says, we're led by the Spirit, as Paul says, uh, we're walking in the Spirit, as Paul says, then therefore the desires are in line with what God wants. Coming back to James, he says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's almost simultaneous action he's talking about there. Therefore, what we do with our desires is we submit them to God. We say, God, these are yours. This is the flesh. I need your desires. Help me to desire you more, not the flesh. And then these things start falling off, right? And I really think that this is the calling of James in in chapter 4 and chapter 5, that he's inviting us to a journey of submission
0: to God. Therefore, the devil will flee from Mm -hmm. us. Vince has got a challenge in his book. Just a reminder, say this phrase each day for the next week, three times, morning, noon, and night. And it's this, God's will, not mine. God's will, not mine. Preach your desires consistently and see if it doesn't result in something good and beautiful in your life.
1: Yeah, I've... I use that as a very simple tactic in my life. I call it preaching to yourself, mm-hmm. right? So in James, he talks about how we preach our own praises, right? For example, he says, uh, we talk about how we're going to go here or there, do this or that, or today or tomorrow, I have these plans. So we preach about the things that we want to do, right? We all do that. Everybody does that. Every man, every woman. We we preach to ourselves about what we want to do. But James here is teaching us to preach God's will to ourself. So it's not our will that we're after. It's preaching to our own
0: desires mm-hmm. what God wants. So I do say that to myself regularly. Yeah. God's will, not mine. I love it. Vince Miller has been my guest. has been a great hour. His book is the Book of James, A Bible Study guide. He was nice enough to bring in five copies. If you want to get in the drawing, text the word book to 877 Vince, you're consistently a great guest. Next time you come in, I'm going to bring in a helium balloon. I want to hear what you sound like after a big hit of helium because <laughs> you got this
1: great i, c- you I got can the, do that got this great yeah. voice thank, you. thank
0: it's, you it's it's so rich and i just want to hear what it's like when it's a little squeaky <laughs> we'll do that next all time. right all right we'll take a short break we'll be back with our two the sunburnt series continues peter captures in the green room we're going to talk to Stephen mansfield new york times best selling author be right back thanks for listening programming like this is made available through your support.